Welcome to the Big Ideas for Small Business podcast. Join us as our host and fellow small business owner, Tim Hayden, discusses topics beneficial to businesses of all industries. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Big Ideas for Small Business. I am normally the host, uh, Tim Hayden, but I'm honored. Uh, got my great consulting friend, uh, Gordon uh, Blocker, with us today. And I'm going to turn the reins over to Gordon. So Gordon is not a stranger to a podcast. I think that last year we did a <laughs> two or three series uh, about work health. You know, so, uh, so hey, so right. you, you're sitting in the uh, host chair, so I'll turn it over to you, my friend. Yes, I'm, and I'm not a stranger to accidentally taking over people's podcasts. Not because I have more to say, because I have a lot to ask. So sometimes I will, I like to be the guest interviewer because I love to pick brains of leaders and I've been picking your brains for almost two years and you know um Tim uh, you and I are both fans of Patrick Lincioni he does not uh you know he, he puts up put together really simple ideas that he's trying to popularize and get leaders thinking about and his in his book The Motive he talks about several things but one is uh, he talks about five things that either frustrate leaders or that leaders delegate when they shouldn't and I just thought it would be interesting to pause on those simple ideas, uh, one for podcast, and interview you as a leader and us just talk through what that stuff really looks like in the day-to-day. Okay. So uh, in, this, in the spirit, since this is our first one, why don't I go over the five, and then we'll talk about the first one. The first things that I think leaders tend to delegate or avoid is developing their leadership team. Second is managing subordinates and making them manage theirs. The third is having difficult and uncomfortable conversations. Our favorite thing, right, Tim? Yep. Difficult and uncomfortable conversations. Okay. Then we've got the fourth is to, sorry, I'm just going right through my book uh, as it is, running great team meetings. So I've been sitting in a lot of those. And then communicating constantly and repetitively to employees. What's interesting is these five map pretty well to other aspects of Pat's teaching. Obviously, this first one to the five dysfunctions of the team. You know, having great meetings, death by meetings, you know, over communicating is the fifth one, essentially. So that, you know, in classic fashion, he doesn't perfectly map it because you don't have to. It's just like, hey, just tell me five things that leaders are frustrated by. And I want to go to actually one of our first conversations, especially our first face to face conversation. Tim, it was you and me and one of your colleagues who's also a leader. And we just sat there for an afternoon and said, what does it really look like to have a team and to reset that process? And I asked you personally where you were, but then I asked you where your team is. What was it like when we sat there with the other Pat, uh, you know, not Pat Lagione, but your friend Pat, who's also a CEO. And we just said, hey, slow down for a second. Let's just not take anything for granted. Where am I and where is my team? What was that like for you when we were at the Bleckley in in the summer of 2021? Yeah, um, and and I, Gordon, one thing that I learned that day was, you know, we're on we're on a transformation journey. Uh, our transformation. What was the word used? Um, yeah, transformation journeys, right? You know, and and we laid out where where I was and where my team was, and I was so far ahead of my team, and I think and I think Pat was that way. Pat Lau, who's uh, been on the podcast before, you know, s- several years ago, uh, one of my good friends. Who's the CEO as well? So um, I mean, I think the idea of I'm a lot further, I'm I'm way out front than what our team is. And in, in the last almost two years, you know, we've walked through that and all the processes that go with it. I won't open that. I won't, I won't comment yet. You jump in. So 
Yeah, no, that's, that's really good. You know, our, our definition of a team is a group of people who take collective responsibility for a common goal. And I think one of the biggest blind spots for leaders is they think they have a team, right? If you, if you don't, you don't have a team, you don't need a leader. You're just out for a walk. Like they said, no one's really following. You're not actually leading people. You're just doing things. And so many companies have leaders, they have CEOs, but they haven't really truly given that collective responsibility to a group of people, trusted them with that, been clear with them. So the first outcome of that meeting, which I so appreciated your coachability and your courage, is I asked you to go reconstitute your team. And we won't use the name, but you went out and had, I believe, six conversations. What was that like to go to six people and re-invite them to a team they already thought they were on. It was uncomfortable. A, a word I've learned since you and I've been working together. It was messy. Um, you know, I mean, you know, you're asking them to be part of something that they already thought they were part of, and they're saying, you know, in in in, in my career, uh, it's been, you know, hey, what's the, honestly, what's the new program of the year that Tim's going to go work on, and. So for those guys to be asked a question had already been asked, I think it was just, um, you know, not great clarity. Why are we doing this? Why are you doing this again? So uh, it, it was it was uncomfortable and it was it was difficult. It's hard. And then, but I think you jumped into the top five percent of leaders, Tim, because if I was with a, a team and I said, "Hey, everybody, tell me when the leader invited you to be on this team," I guarantee you, ninety-five percent of the time they're going to go, "I don't remember," or "It never happened," or "I got an invite," or "I report to this person," or "I got hired," and I'm just here. But what's interesting is when you at, you invited the team, I know you said things like, "I need you to challenge me. I need you to take ownership in the results of this company. I need you to be vulnerable. I need you to be courageous." They're, they're going, "Hey, Tim, that wasn't on my job description." We had our first meeting with the seven of us, including you. Um, I think our third meeting dropped down to three. So we did some addition or growth by subtraction. What happened when we went from seven to three, which we both thought was ultimately a good thing, but also a hard thing. Uh, it was, it, I think that, you know, the post after that was done and, you know, we're way over a year from a year and a half since that's happened. Um, a leadership team of three, we can make we can make decisions really quickly. We don't get caught up in, you know, all the conversation in the back and forth. Um, it was very uncomfortable when, you know, ultimately four of our team members self-selected or we selected them off the leadership team. And, you know, we had some of them that wanted to be a part, they said they want to be a part of it, but yet we had a meeting in November 2021, we came out to Little Rock uh, and, and had, had offsite. And two of them wanted us to move that to January instead of November. And really, and they selected themselves off of the leadership team because no guys, we're going. And, and Gordon, we developed in that time, uh, if I'm pivoting too much, please tell me, uh, we, we developed, I believe, an awesome org chart based off of roles and responsibilities. And we have three lanes of responsibility, you know, front end sales engineering operations and support services. So that came out of that. And I thought that was, and we, we use that even to this day. Yeah, it was incredible. If I did like a half step back, we essentially asked them and the, the hard question, which is, would you rather be doing your job or talking about how everyone does their job? And several of them like, you know what, just to be honest, I'd rather do my job 
because we confuse leadership with competency. Let's take a great example. If you're a brain surgeon, that doesn't mean you're, you, you, you lead, obviously, you lead a, a staff of nurses, you lead through a brain surgery event, but you're not managing 10 other brain surgeons in that moment. You're not leading a hospital system. You're in surgery. And a lot of your great, talented, smart people did not want to be in that room. They'd say, I'd rather be back at the office. I'd rather be on the floor. And we just honored that. And I think just came to that, that choice. Uh, Pat Licioni says that being a team is a choice, not a virtue. You made a choice. Then you gave them the choice. And then we had a small team of the people who really decided, I'm going to lean in. Now, uh, again, no names, no places here, but even the remaining team, we've had at least four offsites. I think you've had actually five offsites with those three people together. You know, I'm, I'm, rem I'm, re I'm remembering one in particular in Greenville, South Carolina, where there was even choice within. It's like, I know I'm in the room, but how have you seen your current team make choices to lean in to really be on the team and be a leader? Yeah, I think... Um... You know, one thing that I've learned going through this is, you know, you have to, you've got to have a tremendous amount of trust and a tremendous amount of vulnerability. And in the three people on our leadership team, um, one of them, uh, for lack of a better word, got punched in the face in, in, in an offsite uh, in April 22, I think it was, Gordon. And, and, and but I think that Again, that was, I think that just, it wasn't expected. That just happened. I think it was just the nature of going through an offsite. But I saw an incredible change in that person. They realized where they're, they're, they were or the perception of them. And they immediately changed. And now we've got tremendous buy-in. Uh, that team member and all of our leadership team, we are absolutely committed to organizational health. Not because it's the program of the year or, you know, because it's what we want to do for the balance of as long as I'm blessed to be the senior leader at Sergeant Metal. Yeah, and I, I think when we look at transformation, you and I have seen this. It's not the quantity, it's not the quantity of meetings, conversations, you know, activities. It's these breakthroughs. It's these ahas. It's these critical moments uh, that if we manage well, they have, they don't take much time. That, that conversation might have been two hours but it completely changed the mindset and the, the, the vantage point of that particular leader who's now playing a really key role in your organization. What's it like leading leaders who you need to build their own team? So you're a leader leading leaders who need to be building their own team. What's it like now looking at, now you're from the other angle and you're challenging other people to do the same thing you have. I think it's awesome. I think that it's, uh, I think it's leadership development. I think that, you know, you're able to pour, so, you know, the leadership team that, that I lead has been great. It went from seven to three. It was hard, but man, we made some of the right decisions. Now seeing us implementing that, and now we're gonna get there implement that, especially the one leader you're talking about in particular, he's in the process of implementing his team. That to me, he, he's taken what, he's taken the accumulation of what we learned, and now he's implementing it there to where, and to me it's, um, it's it's a it's a it's actually brings me joy um, because I, I'm able to see you know what our leadership team has truly bought into this and um, you know us selecting and going through the processes that we do on 
you know, how we hire and making sure we got the right, right team member. One thing that's very, um, you know, Gordon, I'm pivoting, but, um, you know, companies got to understand, you know, a lot of times you have accidental values. You know, uh, we have core values that we, and I know our leadership team, we know them by heart and it's, it's important that we do. Uh, but you may have accidental values. You know, one accidental value we have, Gordon, that you've helped us identify is that we want to yeah, we want to hire it, the potential candidates that we're talking to. One of our accidental values is we need to know someone that knows somebody. So if it's someone that's a complete stranger we've never met or we don't have know anybody that um, knows him, we really don't want to talk to him. Uh, I think that I think there's 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 some good there, but we got to work on changing that accidental value. Because, Gordon, there may be some absolute rock stars that we don't even know that are not affiliated with anything that we know or people we know that may can help us uh, bring an expertise to it that we didn't have or help to make us better. So we're in the process of changing that. So, you know, it's naturally for it's natural for us to want to promote from within. But we need some outside people and we need some outside people that we may know and some that we don't know. So as we go through, one thing I challenge that, that leader is that, look, you've got to have a minimum of three candidates for each role that you're looking to fill. And we've got to have some of those on the outside, you know, not, not all on the inside. And, and Gordon, you're part of the process. We got one really key position that uh, there is no internal candidates, you know, that we've got to go outside. So I think it's important that we have some that some folks we don't know and some folks that we may know. So. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, I mean, I'm going to just sort of translate what you just said in the sense of if you want to grow, you got to grow up. Right. You've grown as a company for many years, but at the at this point, now you have to grow up and develop a competency you didn't have, which is recruiting from the outside. So I think we should maybe do this uh, for the next five podcasts. Let's call it the Clemson case study. All right. You're a Clemson fan. I'm a growing Clemson fan. I should be a bigger Clemson fan since my granddad was on the board of trustees and yet I lacked a generation. And you're a great Clemson fan. You know the story, right? Give me the heyday. We, we want Clemson won two championships in a row. Is that right? With, uh, with two, out three. Three in, two out of three, two out of three, out of three with Trevor Lawrence. Okay, so would you would you say? I know you're biased, but would you say that he developed that team? The coach truly developed. So you imagine when Trevor Lawrence was a senior in high school, who recruited him? Yeah, who recruited the, Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, uh, the head coach. Yeah, and who developed him? Who grew him yeah. into an NFL quarterback? Yeah, well, the head coach right? and, 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 you know, and the team under him. I mean, to me, it's I mean, and and the uh, offensive coordinator and the quarterbacks coach. That's right. And so you you look at you know that's probably a six year you know process going from a high school quarterback all the way to these two out of three championships. And you know, just being honest, do you give the head coach a lot of credit? for the collective success of that team? Yes. You do. You do. You give a disproportionate amount of credit because you know he's leading. He's guiding, like you said. What's the staff? What's the coaching staff size of Clemson's football team? Maybe 15 full-time, 20? Yeah, it's a lot. Maybe I mean, bigger? It's, it's, it's probably a lot. Bigger. And then probably 100 players. Probably I'm just going to go ahead and guess like a $150 million budget. Yeah. Something like guessing. that. Yeah. You're just guessing, right? And then they're winning. Now, let's take the second part of that case study. Last couple of years, they haven't done as well. And now, what, what do you think he's thinking right now? I want to beat Alabama. I want to beat Georgia. 
I want the ACC to be in the college playoff. I want us to be in the finals. So now he's having to say, what do you think their kind of conversations they're having to say? we got to go to the next level. Yeah, we, we have had success. But if we're going to have success in the next five to ten years, what does Clemson have to do, in your opinion, as a, a, an avid fan? So, Gordon, I'm going to hurt your feelings a little bit, and I apologize ahead of time. So, and I think this is a great example for business owners or leaders that's listening to our podcast today, is that, you know, Dabo has had a history here recently of promoting from within. So, C.J. Spiller, who is an incredible running back, you know, played in the NFL for Buffalo and a couple others for, you know, seven, eight, nine years. Um, he is now our running backs coach. Tyler Grisham, who is a, a wide receiver, played in, the, played in the league a little while. He is, he is our wide receivers coach. So Brandon Streeter, you know, came to Clemson, you know, he was our quarterback in the late nineties, left, went to Richmond, a couple other places. He came back and when Tony Elliott took the head coaching job at Virginia last year, Brandon Streeter was promoted to the offensive coordinator, the quarterback's coach. Well, the last two years we haven't from the Clemson nation, we have not performed. You know, we, we had six straight years of college football playoff 2015 to 2020. 2021, 2022, we didn't make it. So, you know what? Dabo, this was announced last week. So, Brandon Streeter got terminated. And, oh, my word. And, hey, and you know what? Dabo hired the hottest, in my opinion, the hottest coaching name in college football, Garrett Riley, who was the oh, offensive right, coordinator at TCU, who's your team who just yeah. played for the national championship. So now he's the yeah, offensive right. coordinator at Clemson. So Dabo hires someone from outside that's going to come in and bring some energy. I mean, you know, Dabo's got culture. So as the leader, it's our job to protect culture. So I think there's some great analogies here. But you know what? What was going on at Clemson last couple of years wasn't working to the standard that Dabo has set. So you know what? He went out and someone unfortunately got terminated. But Dabo went out and, and hired, in my opinion, the hottest assistant coach in America. He just won the uh, assistant coach of the year, I think, last year as the offensive coordinator at TCU. So, um, sorry you lost your yeah, offensive I mean, coordinator, Gordon, but we're excited on the Clemson that's side. That's okay. Yeah. As a consultant, it just proves the point that he's growing up. He has the humility to know he needs help. He had the courage to fire someone that he probably still likes as a friend, right? And he said, I need help, and we got to change. And that's what's so scary and you know what's so funny, Tim, is leaders don't have to be the smartest. They don't have to be the most technical. They just need to know how to grab great talent and put it together. So what's developing the team? It's not like, hey, I'm going to make you a quarterback. It's putting everything together to pull the pieces and be able to say, this is my team. I've recruited them. I'm helping them work with each other, for each other, for the whole goal. And that's the magic of coaching. That's the magic of leading. And, man, I wish I could bottle it up. But now we know why a lot of CEOs, to be honest, are not actually leaders. Mm. They're just CEOs. They're not actually leading a team. They're just a team of one by themselves having direct reports like, hey, I hope you know how to manage yourself. I know. I hope you haven't do everything because I'm just going to hire you and I just hope I don't have to manage you. So what a great one. Hey, every podcast, we're going to do a Clemson case study for every one of these principles. As long as you promise Dabo Sweeney is on the fourth or fifth podcast, we got to get, get him on there live. Okay. We'll see what we can do. Any, so. other, final, any other final thoughts on just a simple principle of 
being a responsibility-based leader is billing, being willing to take on the burden of building and developing a real team. Yeah, um, I think that the example we use today is a great example of humility. You know, um, and I think that, um, you know, what to the outside world, everyone's watching Clemson. And as an alumni and a fan, you know, hey, we're a little disappointed the last couple of years, to be honest with you. You know, we, we've – We've gotten to the, you know, we've won it all. And we, man, we, we've got great culture, great team, great. And Dabo's created that. And it just hasn't been great. And you know what, man, it's like there's some renewed energy now in the Clemson fan base because, wow, hey, you know what? We went out and got the hottest coach in America that, uh, hey, hopefully it's going to come in and bring some change to where we can get our offense back. Defense has been great, but offense has been a, a challenge the last couple of years. So I think that if you're a leader, this is a great example for me is that, you know, if you've got, if you're needing to grow or if you've got some challenges with your current team, number one, I agree with you, Gordon, you know, it, you need to have a leadership team and you need to be leading that team. You need to be managing your direct reports. And if you're not, you need to start. And if you've got people that are just not performing, they may self-select out of being on the leadership team. That's okay. You've got a role and responsibility for them, but you've got to go out and be willing to do whatever it takes within that to go find the right team so we can play together you know hey here's the thing you know uh i had um i had lunch we, we interviewed a potential candidate on a role that we we're looking to fulfill uh first first conversation at lunch today and uh me and our other guy was uh with us as you know gordon and um and on our way over there we were talking about we were talking about leadership and i said you know what and and, and we use the football analogy a lot and so if you're a leader that if you're really just leading one it's like you're really a golfer and you're playing your score and you know what you're it's your score but if but if you're leading a team and if you're managing a team you're really playing football and you really got to have a great offensive line if you, you know you can make you can make a average running back look incredible if you got a great offensive line you know so it takes a team working together so to me i thought that was a great analogy if you're if you're playing golf at work you need to stop and you need to you need to think about I need to play football or whatever organize or maybe basketball. What if it has multiple players? You know, and I just think that um, there's great lessons to be learned by watching people that you know that we're not involved in. So Clemson's a great example. So I would just challenge you evaluate where you are, you know, and maybe to your point, Gordon. You know, we did a transformation timeline two years ago, close to it. And um, if you are way out in front of your team, slow down. Hey, hire a consultant. Gordon, hey, Gordon is available or other people at the table group because I'm, I'm a firm believer in this. And this is the last big thing I'm going to do in my career here. And I still got lot, lots of years playing unless the Lord's got different things in store. So um, slow down, look at where you are, evaluate, and then hey, move forward as a team. Okay. So let's, let's leave everybody who's listening with a challenge. I'm going to go back over the definition. A group of people who take collective responsibility for a common goal. So if you're a leader, first thing, who's the group of people? Literally write down the names of the people on your team and rehire them, re-ask them, go to them and tell them, I want you on my team, on our team. Number two, who take collective responsibility. Tell them what their responsibilities are, which is not going to be on the job description. It's going to be about healthy conflict and building trust and helping make decisions and being courageous and even disagreeing and pushing the leader. And then the last thing, you take responsibility for a common goal. Tell them what the goal is. Remind them what the collective goal is because you don't need to be on a team 
if you're not taking responsibility for a common goal like a basketball player versus a golf team where you're just taking care of individual responsibility. So that's the challenge. For all of you who are listening, we would say to you, thank you for listening and taking on that challenge. Of course, I know Tim and I would welcome any feedback from listeners if you have ideas, examples, things that have gone well, things that haven't. And God bless you all, and thanks for listening. If you would like to continue the journey with us, please subscribe and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. If there are any specific topics you would like to hear, be sure to put that in the comments as well. We will be launching a new podcast on the first Wednesday of every month. If you know others that will get benefit from listening to this podcast, please share it with them and we'll be seeing you guys next month.